0: This is Animals Voice podcast presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way so put your paws up, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animal's Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McKenzie, and happy to be joined this week by Connie Mallory, Chief Inspector of the Ontario SPCA. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks, Kevin. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Your first time, right? This
1: is my very first time, yes. Oh,
0: the excitement is mounting in the room. Um, We're having Connie on actually to celebrate that it's International Women's Day, uh, Women's Day, I should say, on March the 8th, and uh, to celebrate Women's Day and the fact that you are the first female chief inspector of the Ontario SPCA.
1: That is correct. That's awesome. It is, very much so.
0: Okay, so how long have you been with the Ontario SPCA?
1: I've been with the Ontario SPCA since October the 4th, 1994, so just over 20 years.
0: Okay, and what led you there? I mean, tell us about the path that brought you to where you are now.
1: Well, animal welfare has always been important to me uh, as um, you know, a young person, teenager, going through school, um, and I actually, prior to coming here, I worked in a uh, veterinary practice, and I contemplated when I was offered the job as manager of the Lennox and Addington SPCA, uh, whether that would be a good move for me, because I was in a very busy uh, veterinary clinic, and uh, it the move was the best thing that I ever did. It's uh, it's a job and a role that's so fulfilling. You get to help animals that aren't um, don't have anybody to really reach out and support them. So for me, it was a perfect transition and something that I just love to do and feel very passionate about doing.
0: Okay, so I, wait a minute. I'm, I'm confused, but I'm not very bright, so that's okay. Uh, you've been chief inspector for how long?
1: Since... Um, I was act, put in an acting position the end of 2009 okay. and was fully appointed in 2010.
0: What made you want to get involved in animal welfare in the first place?
1: Oh, I, I, you know, I think that I think just that having a love for animals, and I know that that's not the only thing uh, that's required to do this role, but it's just being able to help and support and seeing animals with a better quality of life really um was important to me and i'm i tend to be very compassionate and you know th- th- here was a species that really needed some you know some help and so that's really why i got involved and i love their companionship as well yeah. so uh, i think that that's really what led me in that direction from a very young child
0: so you get a lot of fulfillment from what you do absolutely,
1: I guess. absolutely absolutely you know looking after uh and uh animals and ensuring their animal welfare is very uh, rewarding. It's gratifying. It's one of the best jobs that I've ever had. And yes, there are some challenging times, but the good that you're able to do uh, personally and as an organization is outstanding. And that's what really, uh, for me, makes my day.
0: Thank you for your passion for, for what You're you welcome. do. Um, what, what does it mean to you personally to be the first female chief inspector?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, for starters, I never would have anticipated it. It was like just a pie in the sky goal to try and reach for me. It's an honor and I'm humbled by the position, but it gives me a huge opportunity to improve and help, um, the lives of many animals.
0: Can you describe how your leadership over the inspectorate has changed the way that the society approaches animal welfare investigations? Uh,
1: yes, we, we've we made a dramatic change in, in enforcement in that we've switched um, to leading with education, because as a, um, I have found that being able to teach people and give people the tools that they require to improve and in this case improving animal welfare is much more successful than using the law that we have um, to be able to uh, drive that message forward. And we we have statistics that show that education does improve animal welfare. And that is by the, in 2009, I think we had a compliance rate of 57%. Now we're well into the 80% of uh, animal welfare compliance issues. And that's huge because you're not, uh, you're reducing the number of uh, offenders, repeat offenders. And again, you're giving people the tools and the knowledge to be able to improve things. So that helps the animals. It also helps our officers in the field. Uh, safety is a huge component to the role that they do. When people uh, own animals and we're involved with them, uh, emotions are very high, and it will put our officers at risk of being harmed. But by taking this approach of educating them and how can we help you solve this problem that you're having with your animal, uh, the dialogue is open, and if there's anything uh for success, to improve success, is communications. So communicating, educating really helps a lot.
0: It's amazing to hear you speak to that. I mean, uh, my, my prime role is in fundraising here and when I'm out talking to donors, I get that question a lot. You know, do you just knock on a door and then take someone's animal? And uh, it's nice to be able to explain to people what I've witnessed on the, draw- the ride-alongs I do with your team members. Um, that no, it's not about that at all. It's about no. leading with education. It's it's just teaching people about their responsibilities uh, as an animal owner uh, and caregiver. So uh,
1: absolutely, and the time was right to make that shift. Um, Because we had in 2009, early 2009, changes to the Ontario SPCA Act that had standards of care. So it just made sense that we would take that piece of legislation and instead of using it solely for enforcement, using it as tools in our toolbox to send that message. So it was was very timely.
0: When we come back from this short break, I want to ask you about the impact uh, your role has had personally on you. So we will be uh, right back.
1: Pet
2: overpopulation is at crisis levels across Ontario as a direct result of animals left unaltered. Each year, tens of thousands of dogs and cats end up on the streets where they fall victim to neglect and abuse or in shelters in search of new homes. With the goal of helping to reduce the number of homeless pets and to fix as many animals as possible, the Ontario SPCA has three high-volume, self-sustaining clinics located in Newmarket, Barrie and St. Catharines. The public, shelters, and rescue groups are welcome, regardless of geography or income level. Since 2009, the Ontario SPCA Berry branch saw their shelter intake of cats reduced by 52%. Across the province, Ontario SPCA branches have seen cat intakes reduced by 19%, thanks to pets being spayed and neutered. Fixing your pet also reduces health risks in your pet and improves behavior in cats and dogs. To learn more about the benefits of spaying and neutering your pet, visit spayneuter.ontariospca.ca and fixyourpet.ca.
0: Welcome back to Animal's Voice Podcast. I'm talking to Connie Mallory, our Chief Inspector here at the Ontario SPCA. The first female Chief Inspector as we celebrate Women's Day. And uh, we're, we're very proud to have you uh, on board and in the role that you're in. We've talked a lot about how your leadership and your wisdom has has impacted the organization. I want to talk about you now for a second. How has uh, this role changed your life?
1: Well, I... Th- you know, i've always been a very busy person and very much involved in animal welfare and and that continues i think how it has changed for me is the ability to reach out to more people and by being able to reach out to more people being able to reach out um, to more animals and of course being of i i like to think that i'm of great support to the investigative team that has to go out there and respond to the calls of animal cruelty. And I think that that's really important and it goes a long way and it makes them empowered in the role that they're doing. And uh, I see that every day that we have just a fabulous team. And I think, uh, you know, I like to think that I'm, I'm behind that a little bit.
0: Do you think that cascades into your personal life though? I mean, the way you operate when you're not wearing the shield, when you're out being Connie, at the grocery store or around the house. I mean, do you find yourself, I think, having changed the way you live and operate your life based on your experiences and your opportunity as chief inspector?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay. I I, I don't think so. I'm always, um, you know, always very open, love to talk to people. And so I don't think that that has changed any. And I know when, you know, prior to becoming the chief inspector, it's still the same now. My kids used to hate going grocery shopping with me because as I'm going through the grocery aisle, I'm getting stopped by everybody. And that is still the same. But now it tends to happen in more communities than just my own community.
0: Okay. And, so. and does any of this have to do with the fact that you're now a very famous hip-hop dancer based on a contest <laughs> oh, that I saw? You should I tell, tell our listeners what I'm talking about because you, you were involved in a very cool uh, experience this past year in, in 2014. Which branch were you involved with this at?
1: It's the Lennox and Addington branch where I I was very much involved with and where I started with the organization. So the the manager of the time, Judy O'Brien, asked me if I would be interested in Participating in Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> and I I love to dance, so I said yes, that would be kind of fun. And she goes, well, what's your choice of uh, of dance? So I love to jive, so that would be my choice. She goes, okay, we can make that happen. So the first time I go to my training session, I hear this very loud booming noise music. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what is that? And the girl comes out and she goes, that's the dance, that's the song that you will be dancing to. <laughs> and I just went, what? <laughs> that must have been I've intimidating. Never, I've never hip hop before and so it was a bit of a challenge for me, for sure. I
0: heard you did great.
1: Well, it was fun. At the end of the day, I just went, okay, this is for the animals. And raise, I, yeah,
0: raised a lot of money uh, for that branch, right? Raised a lot of
1: money, so I just, I just went with the flow and had a great time.
0: Very memorable experience, uh, yes. which segues nicely into my, my next two questions uh, or we'll make it one question. Do you have a most memorable experience uh, or uh, a rescue story that really sticks with you the most?
1: Well, there are lots. I have to tell you uh. that there are lots of them but um, I will focus on one that really uh, made a, a, a great deal of impact on me. Horses are my passion and I spent many hours riding and and, and with horses and uh, I received a call one evening about a horse that had been down for quite some time. And uh, anyway, I, I, I responded to the call. It was after hours. And I found what I believe to be a, uh, a yearling that was thin, covered with a layer of snow, right beside an outdoor hay manger, and um, other horses, you know, trying, stomping over top of it to try and get at the the hay. And it was pretty disturbing for me. We, you know, I was able to contact the owner. I was able to get a veterinarian out there. The end of the day, three people actually lifted this horse to another facility so we could transport it to a safe place. And uh, it turned out that this was not a yearling. This was actually a two-year-old. Uh, and just terrible, terrible condition. But after a great deal of work, I think we spent probably 48 hours straight with this, with this uh, little colt, um, grew, flourished, ended up in the show circuit. Aww. You know, just was a fabulous, fabulous um, little guy that got a great home, young rider that was very passionate about it, the person involved was was charged and convicted, Good. and so it was an all-round success. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So. I, I can
0: tell as you tell the story, uh, you become somewhat emotional telling the story. There's it, a lot of passion in yes. you for what you do. I yes. can see that as you tell the story.
1: Absolutely. For me, um, seeing this cult laying down there, and, and it was it was like I believe it was like the end of November, first of December. It's a very damp, dre- dreary kind of day. And, yeah, it was very emotional for me. But because, you know, because of what you do, you have to put on that very sober face and, and get the job done. But, you know, there, certainly it does affect
0: you emotionally. Oh, I can't imagine. And I say yeah. this every time I talk to one of your team members. Uh, I say I don't know how they find the off switch at the end of the day. I've, I've had the uh, pleasure of doing three or four ride-alongs with your team. And the major case management team was kind enough to take me out on a couple of um, projects. And uh, I go home at the end of those days. And I just am recounting to my family members what I've seen and... Uh, It affects me. So I can't imagine being in that environment every single day and it's a credit to you. Your leadership and your team—that you guys are are all of sound mind and not well, not bana- Well, some of you are kind of crazy. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah I think it's
1: part of the prerequisite for the role. Um, we, we,
0: we had you in here this week to celebrate International Women's Day. Uh, I want to ask you if there are women that influenced you.
1: There are I, there are a lot of women that have influenced me. It's it's just not one. I think it it starts with my mother, who at a very young age, you know, decided that. She was going to move from her family in Scotland and and come to Canada. Uh, For me, like, how courageous was that to come here? So I I think I get some of the courage from her. And, you know, women like Mother Teresa, who are so compassionate and show so much empathy, I think that that's important. I think as human beings, we have to have that. Um, You know, Hillary Clinton, for her tenacity. I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah. And even our own CEO, Kate McDonald, she yeah. inspires so mm-hmm. many. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not one woman. There's there's lots that really can, uh, uh, you know, people can look at and reflect and use those uh, people, even if they don't know them as mentors to uh, improve themselves.
0: Yeah. In, in closing out our time today, I want to ask, what advice you have? For other women uh, or, or young ladies listening about reaching their career goals,
1: I think that if you see it, you can obtain it. And I, you know, I have a daughter of my own, and I have y- young staff here. And I, if you work hard and if you're diligent and stay focused. You can get anything that you want and achieve anything that you want if you um, put passion behind it. And passion, I think, is the key. Put Set yourself on a mission to succeed, and, and you will get there. Wow.
0: Well, thank you so much for You're spending welcome. this time with us today. Connie well, Mallory, pleasure. Chief Inspector of the Ontario SPCA. I can't believe this is... Uh, we're in the fourth season of Animal's Voice, and it's the first time that we've had you on. So... Uh, my humble apologies for that. Oh, we, we, it was a treat to I, be I, I, I could you. talk to you for a very long time. So I would love to have you on again down the road.
1: I'd love to Talk to, to you about
0: your adventures some more. And um, in keeping with the theme, when we come back from this break, we're going to be in our next uh, Meet the Staff segment talking to one of your team members, uh, Darren Grendel. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, thank you uh, for your time, and we'll talk to you again, okay? My pleasure. We'll be right back.
3: Hey, this is Tanya Kim, and you're listening to Animal's Voice Podcast.
0: Okay, welcome back. We're going to have our next segment of Meet the Staff. This has quickly become one of my favourite segments uh, as part of Animal's Voice podcast. Joined today by Darren Grandel. Darren is the Deputy Chief of Training and Public Awareness. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us down here. So, uh, as is standard in these uh, Meet the Staff uh, segments, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got here. Well, as you uh, already introduced me
3: with my name and rank, so I can going from there. Uh, I can start just with currently what I do is I look after the training curriculum for all our officers across the province, from new recruits to uh, continuing education and uh, recertification training throughout the year, and uh, that uh, goes on basically all month. Every month, there's something going on pretty much throughout uh, every year. And that's what keeps me busy <laughs> uh, currently in my role. Okay. But to uh, rewind tape for uh, what got me to where I am today, it's, uh, go, it goes back quite a while now. We're looking at 16, 17 years, I guess. That uh, way back when it was time for post-secondary, I wanted to actually be a police officer, and I went to college for policing. But at the same time, I was volunteering with a humane society. and Because uh, I loved animals as a kid, just always had pets, had farm animals, and a grandparents' farm, so I always loved animals. And then volunteering at society, just really loved that, and especially uh, the interest in the investigation side of animal cruelty and what they did. And uh, back at that time, I didn't really understand fully what the SPCA was doing investigation-wise, but I wanted to get into policing. So I went through college, and, and uh, right out of college, I actually did uh, uh, get hired as a cadet with the Ontario Provincial Police. Um, but I maintained my ties with Humane Society still. And after a few years with the OPP, it just... The SPCA really grew on me, and as I went through the policing world, I really, you know, uh, looking at the stats and everything about how people that harm other people first start off with animals. And I really started to notice this disconnect in the Canadian justice system between making that connection that you protect animals, you protect people as well. Like So you're doing two good things there, protect the animals, protect the people. And I just developed a big passion for that, that I made the choice that, you know, a position came up to become an officer with the SPCA. So I left the provincial police and took the job. And I've never looked back since. And people are like, wow, you know, we possibly gave up, you know, like a higher wage and things like that. It wasn't about that. It's just like I've loved what I've done. Over that's the past great. 16, 17 years.
0: When you feel that way about your career and, and the work that you get up and do every day, it really makes a difference. You never yeah. feel like you're working per se. Yeah. Monday morning doesn't come and you want to throw something at the alarm clock, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's very cool that that's what got you here. You um, you referenced that you are involved with the training aspect and, and that, you know, it's an ongoing issue. Quickly, we only have a, a minute or two left, but uh, I understand that, that. I mean, that feels to me like it's a giant task because we've got new recruits, as you said. You've got tenured investigators, and there are always new Uh, There are always new updates coming into place, memos of understanding with different groups that we collaborate with, new laws, uh, legislation gets updated. That's got to be a grind. How do you stay on top of that, making sure that all of our investigators are all marching to the same beat when it comes to their training?
3: Yes, you're absolutely right because uh, prior to my current position, I was uh, the position before, I was also managing a region and trying to do all this training stuff. And you're right, staying on top to be current to provide the best possible training is tough. So I'm very fortunate right now that because I'm dedicated to that, I'm now able to get out and connect with other groups, other agencies, go to other training, other conferences to make sure I'm totally up to date. Okay. What we're passing along is relevant and current for our people and I've felt it's just created such a role of efficiency for me in our training just to be able to make sure that we are on top and up to date because you're right it's a phenomenal task throughout the year um, but of course I'm not doing it alone have we do have help and people that uh, support me as well and uh, and really uh, helps make it happen
0: every year. Excellent. Listen, uh, we appreciate your time today. Uh, Darren Grandel, Deputy Chief Training and Public Awareness with the Ontario SPCA. We keep telling people and listeners of this broadcast that it takes a village. And uh, another great example, a very pertinent, important role within our organization. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. Uh, And thank you, the listeners of Animals Voice Podcast. We appreciate everything you do. Please continue to share your show ideas. Uh, You can contact me on Twitter at KevTheGrad or email me at kmckenzie at ospca.on.ca until next episode we'll catch you later thank you for joining us for another edition of animals voice podcast don't forget to check us out on facebook twitter and at our website OntariospCA.ca. animals voice podcast is a production of the ontario spca the society would like to thank all of our supporters together we are the animals voice